This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Welcome to Inside Voices. I'm Kevin T. Porter. My guest today is Jackie Johnson. Okay, a little background. Jackie is obviously a performer, which will become clear within 10 seconds of hearing her talk. In 2017, she launched her podcast, Natch Butte. A comedy show about beauty, cosmetics, self-care, honestly topics that are not well-trod territory in comedy podcasting. Although, unfortunately, pretty much anything geared towards female-identifying audiences is not well-trod territory in comedy podcasting. In addition to riffing on serums and goofing on face creams, Jackie goes to lengths to highlight the most ethical brands, businesses owned by women and women of color, and the show's become something different, which we'll get into. But Natch Butte is a zany show with a conscience that only Jackie could have made. My skin is very dry. My like whole body skin is very Same, dry. Same, especially right now during these Santa Anas. Uh, I fires and the fires, honey. I am just a. Disgusting, I'm a crack. I'm right? a big crack. Okay, yes, yeah. me too. Oh, me too. I have a mask rec for you. <gasps> oh, okay. Okay, so I recently did this mask that I was so blown away with the results, and they're not expensive. I feel more than a passing connection to Jackie. We both hail from Texas, both went to the same college, both have an unqualified affection for Chili's Bar and Grill Restaurant. In addition to all that, Jackie carries herself with an openness and an absence of pretension that I aspire to. Now let's hear Jackie name the episode. My voice is your kooky Southern Howard Stern. (laughs) (laughs) And I do like Howard Stern as a comparison point because that feels like something that a lot of people in this particular community are kind of shy to to use as a reference because like of his history or he might be like slightly problematic or the way he's like even evolved over time. But it feels like all those things are true about me as well. <laughs> yeah, right. Which is kind of what I'm getting at. <laughs> I didn't realize it um, at the time how influential he was to me Mm -hmm. um, and to my comedy until I started podcasting. And then I was like, oh, no, I really am the beauty shock jock. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that I was as extreme as I was. I didn't realize I had more energy than most hosts. I didn't realize I, I, you know, said crazy shit. I didn't know until other people started telling me that. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. I am the kooky, feminine, southern Howard Stern. Yeah, so maybe Jackie Johnson has a kooky, southern, feminist voice. There you go, sweetie. If you're even comfortable with the label feminist, I don't want to put that on you. No, honey, it is what it is. (laughs) But I was going to say that I usually have an, an antidote 
or a, a, a competing narrative in case the guest goes to a negative space with it. I did not anticipate that you would, uh, but I did write down that I think Jackie Johnson has a strong voice in everything that yeah. entails. But truly, everything that that entails. I love that. I love that. I love that. I'll I, take it. It feels like it's something that you've had to own for a long time. <laughs> uh, try, try forever, sweetie. Try, try every minute of my thirty-five and a half-ish years. Do you remember the the age you were in which someone said you're being a little loud right now? <laughs> oh my God! I mean. Probably when they slapped my ass when I came out of my mom. I mean, it's literally been everything I've heard. I remember I was in kindergarten and I was, this was a real, this was traumatizing. Kindergarten, we're all sitting on the little tape line, you know, around the room. That's like, instead of desks, that's where we all sat. And I got my name written on the board for talking. Literally the whole class was talking, but my voice was raised above. My voice stood out. So I always was made an example of that. That has happened my entire life because if everyone's talking, you're going to hear my voice out of everyone else's because it is distinct. Mm -hmm. So that's been happening my whole life. And um, I could never prank call anybody like growing up in the 90s. We would prank call. I know that probably is crazy to most people because, you know, the idea of you don't see who's calling you, but you used to not be able to see who's calling you. We pranked called as well. I mean, we're not that much different, but yeah, in the mid odds too, that was absolutely a pastime. I couldn't prank call anyone. Why? They would instantly oh, know. Because they would me. absolutely know. Well, what, then why didn't Even you put on I like a the different voice. kind of voice? Oh, really? Of course I did. <laughs> but you can still just tell. This tone is too defined. My best friend just turned 40 and I did this whole bit where I called her with like a, uh, you're, you know, like a funny voice, like a muffled voice. And I used GarageBand and I put it in like the weird low voice. Just from the speech pattern, she knew it was me. Yeah. She was like, this is Jackie, right? And I'm like, I did, I covered my voice. How'd you know, man? <laughs> How'd that, you know? That's got to feel pretty nice, too, though, as a performer to have like a like an absolute inability to not be distinct and to not be unique. It's fun. It's fun. My favorite thing ever is when people do impressions of me. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like in order for people to do impressions of you, you have to give an impression off. So it makes me feel like special that because like Noelle Wells, who's like a really, really good um, impressionist, she can do a Jackie Johnson that you would think it was me. And it's in Allie Ward does a really good me like I've heard Nicole Byer does a good me. I've heard a lot of good Jackie impressions. Wow. I'm, I'm going to have to track these down and maybe add them in at this point in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a montage. I, yeah. I don't know if I've ever I don't had... know if there's any on tape. You're going to have to call them and get them, but they'll well, do, maybe they'll do it for you. Maybe they'll do it. But yeah, it's uh, that is such a nice compliment, I think, when there are yeah things that are like distinct and specific enough about you that are worth uh, in, uh, aping or parroting in some way. Yes. Has it always been this way in the sense of like, if you've always been like, you know, since kindergarten, loud or brash in some way, have you always liked that about yourself, do you think? Um, I, I mean, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I think I really feel like most of us, when we grew up with a unique feature, there were a lot of times when we were resentful of it and just wanted to blend in and just wanted to feel normal, quote unquote. Um, I feel that same way about my height. Um I'm seven foot two. So I had, I'm just kidding. I'm five ten. But when I was, but when I was in middle school and stuff, you know, the girls start shooting up and I remember just being so tall and being like, why can't I be short? Why can't my voice be normal? Cause 
we just want to blend in. And I, like this, my voice is always, I would call and order pizza. I was a latchkey kid and my parents weren't around a lot during certain points. So we would take care of ourselves. I would order pizza and I would be like, yeah, just, you know, and they wouldn't even know I was a kid. They would think I was a full blown adult. <laughs> Sometimes they would even call me sir. <laughs> and I would just roll with it. I remember Respectful. I was in the, I was in the drive through once in college and all my sorority sisters were in the car and they were like, yes, sir, blah, blah, blah. They were laughing their ass off. They thought it was so funny. And I was just like, this is what it is. Like, and people can't get their mind. Like they picture something and then they just, they, they refuse to see that something could look the other way or be different than what they assume. And it's like, just because I have a deep voice, I doesn't, you don't know what I'm going to look like. Yeah. I mean, I was even talking about this with Gabrus who, who does pretty much uh, sound like what he looks in a lot of ways, other than the content of what he's saying. But there's something interesting about the cognitive dissonance between someone's appearance and then how someone sounds. Because I'm sure you've probably even got that from listeners as well and people who first encountered oh, you. A ton. And there, I mean, even today, there was a couple uh, comments on my Instagram recently because I just did Allison Rosen. And they were like, I pictured you to look like a sea captain. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> I got one time I got a linebacker. Okay. You know, like people, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they think. I don't know. But how does that make but, you but yeah. feel? Because those are pretty. I mean, it's not fun. But again, I can't do anything about it. And I've grown to be really appreciative of the fact that I have a different sounding voice. I actually really like my voice. I like the way it sounds. Um, you know, so I've, I've gotten used to it, but definitely there were some times where I was uh, not happy. Like, I just was like, is my voice too deep? Like, is anybody going to think I'm sexy? You know, like, cause when a lot of times when you're a woman growing up in the mid two thousands, all you want is to just like be hot. You just want to be like, you know, Britney Spears or whatever. And you want to have like a, a feminine voice. Yes. The baby talk know? thing was not really an option for you. No, register. I mean, you know, maybe. <laughs> And that's the thing. If Britney did sound more like you, maybe the cultural narrative would have been different and we would have valued that. Right. But look at Miley Cyrus, you know, Miley has a deep voice like me. That's what I think too. I actually, truly, and not just buttering your bread, I do think that there is happening now and it's going to change all the time. So like, who cares how much stock you can even put in it? But there does feel like more of a shift, at least in, in recent years towards like, women with deep voices being kind of like valued more or that is what's sexier to a lot of people or maybe more attractive to a lot of people in terms of like not even just what you would think of as like raspy like Kathleen Turner or Scarlett Johansson but like even when uh like women who who you might perceived to be petite having like kind of lower registers like a Florence Pugh or a Selena Gomez or a Miley Cyrus yeah, I mean, I guess the, the moral of the story is you don't fucking know what's going to come out of somebody's mouth based on how they look. I think we all have these perceptions, and they can be wrong, and they are wrong a lot of the time. And, you know, everybody's different, and that's the way it is. Yeah, and I think people, in addition to, like, wanting to be attractive or wanting to be beautiful and wanting to be, like, conventionally whatever or have people think that, people also want to be surprising or novel I think in a lot of ways and I feel like if nothing else you are incredibly novel in that sense and I wonder if you'd Thank like you. probably embrace that part of yourself and the solve yeah. against like you look you sound like a sea captain and look like an angel I wonder if that's like 
it's like mitigated or balanced out by that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and again, I feel like there's also you hit a point, hopefully, where you're like, wait, I don't care if you like my voice or not. I don't care if you hear my voice and don't want to fuck me. I don't care if you hear my voice and don't think it's sexy, quote unquote. Like, I feel like that's just all programming that comes from various places, you know, when you're growing up. And that's all gone now. And now I'm like, no, I actually really like how I sound. And you can tell me I look like a football player or I sound like a football player or whatever. <laughs> it's like, I, tell me something I haven't heard yet. Yeah. Come up with something original. I, I, it's, you're, not, you're not genius here. You're not coming up with some crazy shit nobody's ever said. By the way, I know, if, honey. If, if football players did sound like you, I would watch the NFL. That would be really Same. fun. <laughs> Same. I mean, honestly, they should take off those damn helmets and go do an interview or something. That would be terrific. But when do you feel like you fully liked your own voice and got to the place that you are now? I mean, recently. I guess here's the thing. Like, I've been told in auditions... Hey, maybe do a little bit higher. Maybe do a little bit higher. Um, especially just because I tend to book low status roles. And especially like uh, one-liners. Like, uh, excuse me, your, your phone call, sir. You know, like, and so it's like, okay, I don't, I feel like I might look low status, but then my voice comes out high status. That's so interesting, um, yeah. And so it's been a little of a difficult placement for me. Because, you know, this, this town, this business, I don't know if you know this, Kevin. They like to put people in boxes. And so when you're like me and you're, you're all over the place, sometimes they have a hard time fitting you in. So I've had to deal with that. I've been told so many times in like callbacks, like, could you maybe like talk a little softer? Um, I remember one time an acting coach goes, work on intimacy. But, but like uh, in terms of just volume, but I don't even, I honestly don't even think I'm that loud as in volume. I just think, again, my voice carries. It's just like strong, like you said. I don't know if I answered your question. No, I think you did. I think you answered four questions. <laughs> you know what? I'm on a roll. No, I feel that. But yeah, there's there's also an interesting thing too about low status look, high status voice, even the idea of like I, I talked to friends of mine, a lot of men who are over like six two, like really like tall kind of lumbering men, mm -hmm. they do have to present themselves in an overly friendly way as to not make anybody around them nervous because oh, yeah. th the aesthetic default nature of them as a person is I'm a threat to you. So like just by height alone. So they have to compensate and be friendly, sweet, soft, genuine, and like, you know, very easy and accessible and approachable. And I wonder if you've ever had to do anything like that yourself because your voice is so basically like it is commanding in the literal sense and it is like undeniable in that literal sense if you kind of have to like overcompensate or navigate in different ways to make people feel comfortable because of it. Yeah, I guess I probably should have, but I never do that. <laughs> <laughs> that might explain a lot of things. Um, no, I don't do that. I guess to me, it doesn't seem that different. It doesn't seem like a big deal. And I guess the more you know me and are around me, you don't care either or notice. Um, but every once in a while, I'm at a party or something and I meet somebody and the first thing they say is, oh my God, your voice, you know? Like, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm a human. I don't know what to tell you. Like, It doesn't strike me anymore. Um, so maybe it just takes, maybe everybody's talking shit behind my back. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't seem that like crazy to me. Um, so if anyone has ever had any issue with it in terms of like me having to like 
prep them, yeah. uh, they can keep walking. Yeah. <laughs> they can keep walking. And they sweetie. have. And they will. And they sure have, right out of my life. Oh. <laughs> you said you kind of started accepting it a, a few years ago, kind of recently. What do you think triggered that? I remember when I turned 30, like it, it, it really was like a switch. And I think it's because we are just, and we, when I say we, I, I particularly mean women. And I particularly mean women from my age group, like grew, growing up at the exact time I grew up. Um, you know, I was so concerned always about my looks, what people thought of me, how I presented myself. And then I remember, I remember exactly where I was. I was in Costco. I was in the parking lot of Costco and I was buying alcohol for my 30th birthday party. I hate when people don't put the carts back. You know, there's a very clearly designated area for the carts, but people are lazy and they just will load their car and drive away and leave the carts floating around. And honey, have you been to a Costco? The parking lot is a mess. We need all the empty spots we can have. Mm-hmm. People leave their carts willy-nilly. You can't park. It's a mess. <laughs> and I'm never confrontational, but I was like, you know what? I'm 30. I'm going to speak my damn mind. And there was this lady and she finished filling up her cart or and, you know, emptying her cart. And I go, excuse me, the cart needs to go back. To the designated car area. <laughs> I go, that's not where those carts go. And she looked at me and goes, I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. And like went and put the cart back. And I remember being like, I'm 30. I was like, damn, it feels good. Like, I was like, this is how you're supposed to live your life. And I had never done that before. Old Jackie in her 20s would be like, oh, I don't want to make up anybody upset or I don't want to make anybody look at me like I'm a bitch or like whatever. But that lady needed to put her damn cart back. And I bet she'll think twice about leaving it now. (laughs) So it it felt like kind of holistically embracing, not apologizing for anything you're feeling, being a responsible person in the world, and then not trying to deny your own emotions or your own feelings. Yeah. But it also, I think, had to do with hearing myself back. And because my whole thing is like, what do they say about like actors want to become other people and comedians want to be themselves? And I remember like I would always crack my friends up and like it's like being me is the most fun I have in life. You know, I would like the first podcast I ever went on. It was Slumber Party, Allie, Allie okay, in Georgia. So, guess what, you guys? Jackie Johnson is a Ugh. friend of ours, and she's an actress and a comedian and a very funny person. She's a UCB alum. You can see her at UCB LA all the time. God, we love her. That's right. Hey, guys. I have Jackie. a weird crush on you. I think you're so great. Oh, my God. I love y'all. You this is great. a really big moment for me. I'm not going to lie. And we really are in a teepee, so they're not even lying. No. You look like a supermodel, and you speak like... Like a like a like a phone matron. sex operator like <laughs> yeah. that that used to happen to me as a child. Um, like I'd call like pizza and they'd be like, "Hey, honey," and I'm uh, like, "Listen, I'm eight, <laughs> so turn that down." But the southern twang, like a someone from southern. And you know they're both doing pretty good in the pod space now. I don't know if you've ever heard of my favorite murder. Are you saying it's because apologies? of that uh, that guest appearance? Because kind of, of me. Launched them. Yeah. Because of me. Yeah, uh, oh, exclusively because of me. Yeah. <laughs> But I remember, like, we had so much fun, and then I listened back to it, and I was like, that was really entertaining. Like, I'm funny. Like, my voice is funny. Like, I can do funny shit with my voice. Like, I remember being like, I should do something with this. And then it sort of, like, took me on this podcasting path. That's such a relief to hear, because so many people, 
And actors included, when they're talking about their own work, they're like, I can't even watch myself. I can't even listen to myself. But <laughs> your story I is the exact opposite. Yeah, you like, I can't get enough of myself. Yeah, you're I great can't with hear it. it all. You have no anxiety with listening to yourself or how you sound. You're like, you're fully no, I mean, one with it. Well, I'm fully one with it, but you do notice certain technique things. Um, like I'll notice that like I like smack my lips, you know, if I'm doing like a solo episode of Nash Butte, and I'm like, oh god. But most people probably don't even notice that, but I do. Yeah, but that's and just by the way, I think stuff. most people do smack their lips. I feel like that's one of the most. If you're not a podcast editor, that's one thing that you may not know is like half of it is just taken out when people go. There is this one podcast I won't name names. Th- her breathing drives me nuts. Yeah. That's a real thing. She goes like this. She's talking and she'll go, and then, and then, and then, and I'm like, I hear, now, now all I do is I hear the breaths. Like I can't even listen because all I do is hear the breaths. Yeah, I understand that. <laughs> and I want to be like, hey, honey, back off. I don't know. I've never heard me breathing. I don't know. Okay. And so you had a good experience with it. And then did you start guessing on other people's shows frequently? Yes, I did. I did. Please advise a few times. Molly McAleer's podcast. That started. And then same thing. Her audience had a really good response. And then I just kept not starting one because of all the reasons. Oh, nobody's going to listen. Oh, I have nothing to say. Uh, there's so many podcasts already, which cracks me up that that was my uh, my excuse in 2016. In 2016, yeah, that's amazing. I mean, you know, because uh, everybody kept telling me, like, you should start one, you should start one. And I just kept being like, what the fuck do I have to say? And at the time, you don't even think about, like, three years in. You know, like I've literally done a Natch Butte every week for three years now. I haven't taken a week off in three years. And it's like, honey, how many more serums are there coming out? You know, like, <laughs> uh, but I've managed to do it and there's still so much to discuss. So, but at the time, like that's such a naive thing. Like when you start a podcast that you think you have something to say and you don't think about like how often you're going to say it, but. Yeah. Well, it is funny too, to think about kind of the things that gave you confidence and made you feel empowered to start your own show and do your own thing because it almost functions like old television did. I feel like so much of podcasting now, at least in the space that we're in, it is so cooperative, supportive, and cross-promotional that people just feel emboldened by one another. And so many times shows start just out of a guest coming on and maybe they don't have their own show or their own thing, but then okay, well, they were on Comedy Bang Bang six times and they had a really good time and then they kind of got a little bit of exposure and audience for that or they were on How Did This Get Made or they, or they were a frequent guest on XYZ and they're like, oh, I enjoy doing this or this is fun or it feels like the audience is responding positively to me. So I want to do I want to do my own thing and so many of the bigger shows function as like incubators for then the, the future talent and it's almost like the way that like Happy Days spun off into Mork and Mindy and Joni Loves Chachi and it's just so fun to think about like kind of like the family trees that end up forming unofficially where it's like well, like a were pyramid d- scheme <laughs> yeah if you give this podcast five hundred dollars on patreon then they give it to them and they give it to five right. more podcasts yeah so it's kind of like that and that's cool i really i that's one of my favorite things about this particular community is how supportive it feels in that sense in this space For sure. and it's not you know that's not true across the board in in every sector of it but so so you you kept coming up with like different ideas but you weren't maybe excited about them particularly were there other ideas before you you settled on beauty and self-care stuff oh yeah oh yeah i had a whole uh pitch document i think i pitched five shows oh my goodness do you remember any of those yeah pitches? so 
Yeah, okay, so the, it all started with Snapchat. That's how this all started. I, I downloaded Snapchat in 2016, and, uh, you know, a, a little late to the party, and I started doing these rants where I would like, it was basically I was planning my wedding, and it was just such a nightmare, and um, I'm now divorced, so it's like all that work and it didn't even work out. <laughs> it's like not even <laughs> worth it. But I was like doing rants because I just had such a hard time with it all, like, you know, arguing with this lady over the flowers and like going on the appointment and her showing up. And she literally it's like I didn't even show her what I wanted. Like she just made up all her own shit. And I was just like doing these loud, ranty, yelly kind of a character version of myself. And people really started liking it and it started picking up. And um, Esther, actually, Esther Bavitsky was the one that was like, and we weren't really friends, but she was like tertiarily, you know, uh, involved in my, like, friend of a friend of a friend. And she was like, you need a podcast. And I was like, okay, so I got a meeting at, um, uh, what's it, what was it, Feral Audio, which is now Starburns, where Nash Butte is. But um, I had the meeting, and I pitched him. I remember one of them was called Southern Sweet Tea. Southern Sweet Tea. So it was going to be like me spilling the tea, quote unquote, you know. Um, and they were all kind of shit like that because my whole thing with podcasts is like, everybody thinks they're so interesting. You know, they're like, okay, it's just two people talking and we're both funny. And it's like, great, but we need an angle, sweetie. Like there's too much out there that you need an angle and you need to be able to stay on topic. And so I just wanted something like super niche. I was like, I'm going to go niche. Niche is the new broad is what I say. So I was like, how about a beauty show? And, and then there was a little bit of a like, well, can a beauty show translate over non-visual mediums? And, I, and then I used Howard Stern as the example. I was like, I've been listening to Howard Stern since I was in fifth grade. And all you do is laugh out loud because you imagine what is happening in the studio because he describes it so vividly and you hear everybody's reactions. And I said, so yeah, of course you can. Like, you can't see my makeup, but I can describe to you what it looks like or how I like it and, and it'll work fine. And so that's how it all started. And probably the truth of it is over time, especially when you're three years into a show, the the ideas that you had and all the DNA of those other shows end up getting incorporated into the bigger show. A hundred percent. The show has completely evolved. I mean, I want the first like 50 episodes burned. I want the burned. Really? You're not proud of those? Well, I just feel like I was interrupting a lot and um, I didn't really understand the editing. Like I was like, oh, you can cut shit out. Oh, I didn't realize. Like, so I feel like there's just some dead time. And, and, and obviously it takes a while to get good at interviewing a person. Um, and then also just the whole mood of the show has changed. I wanted it to be a teen magazine come to life. That's why like my artwork looks like, like a mid-2000s magazine cover. And the word Snatch Butte, to me, it's like a fake magazine. Like if you were like, oh, I got to get my 17, I got to get my Natch Butte. It sounds to me like a parody of a magazine. So I wanted it to be sort of like those women's magazines that are like, you know, what lip gloss suits your mood? Like I was like, but but a, but a funny podcast. That's That was what I was going for. So I was doing like quizzes out of magazines. I was doing all this shit that ended up being scrapped because... I started reading the reviews and people were not into the quizzes. (laughs) Did it change? Did it change the trajectory reading the reviews? Oh yeah, of course. But I haven't read a review for my show in years. Okay. That's probably healthy. I stopped reading them after that. I was like, I can't handle this shit. It's hard because it does feel like there needs to be some measure of humility at the beginning because it's at the beginning. And so like just, you know, owning up to the fact that like, you're not an expert or you're not professional yet yeah. at the thing that you're doing. But then right. there's a weird balancing act that you have to continue to do of like the amount of like 
constructive feedback that I get versus like following what I feel confident in and what I actually believe in. But what I love about the conceit of your show is that it does feel like, I feel like the thing that people ask a lot is, well, what do, what's what's a good idea for a podcast? How do I start a podcast? Like, in those like broadest terms, the two questions I always ask them to answer for themselves is, what's a show that you do not hear that you would like to hear? And what's a show that you think that only you can do? Because you can do Ooh, I like, love that. Because you can do another, oh, it's another one of these. It's like bad movies and it's kind of funny or like, oh, it's kind of like this meets this, and I don't know, it might be fine. But what I love about Natch Butte is that it feels so singular in your vision of it. It's not like, they're, they're, truly, it's not like it's a TV recap podcast hosted by two celebrities that used to be on the show, or it's a bad movie podcast, or just like an improvised comedy podcast. It's like, this is a very specific idea, and it feels like you're not competing with 12 other fake young women magazine as a podcast format shows it's only it's only yours you know so i feel like i feel like you answered those two questions so well from the beginning wow that's cool i didn't even think about it like that but yeah and i think another big important thing like we were talking about reviews and and criticisms of your voice and things like that i just also realized this was the first time that my like comedy had been put on like a bigger louder platform Um, Up until that point, like, yeah, I'd played a couple little roles in movies, TVs, whatever. But, like, my voice had been honed on the stage of UCB uh, in front of, like, 100 people. And you get instant gratification. People laugh and you go home or you bomb and you go home. Um, Never had I done something before where it was literally floating into the ether uh, essentially forever. Um, Any person at any point can just hit, hit listen and play. And so I started getting, like some pretty negative feedbacks, uh, especially because my favorite murder at the time was on my network. So they were running my ads on their show and they, you know, they get millions of listens a week. I was getting tweets that were like, you're fucking not funny. You stop ruining my podcast, like really aggressive shit. Um, and then, like I said, one star reviews that are like, she's too loud or her voice is grating and shit like that. And that's when I realized like, There's also a lot of people that are like, this is hilarious. This is really fun. This person could be my best friend. This is something I've never heard before. I can't wait to hear more. And I was just like, you know, you can't listen to that. You can't listen to the negative shit because it will drive you nuts. You have to believe in what you're doing and you have to be proud of what you're doing. Because once you're out into that big world, there are going to be people who don't fucking like you. And that is the way it is. And that's something I had to really learn quick because if you can't handle that, you need to go sell used cars in Van Nuys. You need to come up with a new career. Specifically, Van Nuys is very triggering. Oh, 100%. As a, as a they have a location. <laughs> Gracious. In Van Nuys, they'll hire you. you keys know? on Van Nuys. Keys, keys, keys. Keys, keys, keys. Why not? They've got a lot of spots open. I mean, and honestly, that's probably too high pressure of a job, actually, because it, there it's a it's very competitive to sell cars. So you know what? I take that back. Why don't you go sell? Why don't you be a barista or something? Yeah, although that's high pressure too in some context. That's true. Listen, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. <laughs> go Come be up a with nurse. Something. Go be a grocery store. Worker. Yeah, uh, that's easy. Yeah, <laughs> something low pressure right now. Uh, yeah. Let's take a break from Jackie's kooky southern voice, and we'll be right back with more inside voices. Thank you. 
Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back to Inside Voices. And now, the rest of my conversation with Jackie. I've just realized that like, I'm not for everyone, and that's fine. The people who get it, get it. And the people who it's not for them, there's 70,000 other choices. And that's, that's beautiful, honestly. Do you want to be like mass appealed and watered down to the point where literally everybody likes you? I don't think that's possible, honey. I don't think that's possible. I would rather be me and be authentically me and be loud and be all these adjectives and have the people who get it love it than be like a, a watered down version. Right. And that all has to do with like what it is that you most actually care about with doing the show. If it is numbers, if it is how many mid rolls you can do, if it is audience size or how much the show is growing versus that's all it's about for me. Oh, okay, great. Well, then I have no further questions. Thanks for doing the show. (laughs) But if it's about that versus how you're serving the show and then in serving the show, serving yourself and following those particular muses and doing something that like the process itself is enjoyable enough that if none of the stuff was viable at all financially or, or, or anything like that, that it would still be a satisfying worthwhile endeavor for you. And like, even in the sense of like how deep you can go with an audience and those connections, what what do you feel like is the most important thing for you with doing the show now after doing it for three years? It's so wild. I did not anticipate or understand the bond between a host and their audience. It was, I went into it without thinking about that at all. It was literally Georgia said to me, (laughs) you need a podcast and you could make some cash. And at the time I didn't realize like what an anomaly everything she has built is. That is the rare, rare, rare exception. But at the time I went into it kind of being like, okay, man, let's make some money. Let's do this. And then people started listening and I was like, oh, wow, I'm going to get like a couple hundred bucks a week from this or whatever. Like it has become so much more and not even about that at all. It has become a community where women specifically feel safe and empowered. And that has been the most gratifying, loving, amazing feeling that I never even considered when I started. I mean, even last year, I, you know, I went through a divorce and 
when I announced my divorce on my show, because I hid it for months and months because I was sort of still processing it. And I just, I felt like a letdown. I felt like a failure. And it was one of those things where I was like, I, these people like know me so well and, and they know all about my life. And if I tell them that I failed in this huge regard, I feel like I'm going to, that a lot of them are going to like think I'm a piece of shit or they're going to turn on me or whatever. So I finally told them and like the emails I got, I was sobbing. I still get them because people find Natch Butte from the beginning and they listen. And then all of a sudden they're like, what? I got one yesterday, long emails that are like, I'm divorced. You know, this happened in my marriage, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm, I've never heard anyone speak like this about their divorce. I, it, I'm here for you. You've been here for me through all these things. And then again, to bring it back to Howard, I was like, yeah, Howard Stern is that to me, which I know sounds crazy, but like, that's the beauty of listening to these shows that are a whole community of people. It's like, I listen in my car and it's like you're driving with all your friends in the car with you, but you don't have to say anything. That's how listening to Howard is for me. And then I realized, oh shit, I'm Howard for some people. I'm Howard. Yeah, which is humbling. But it was just so cool. And then I was just like, wow, this is so much bigger than just eye cream and serum. This is so much bigger than just makeup and beauty. It's, it has is, it is become a place where how do I feel like my most authentic self? And how do I resonate my happiness through my self-care? And that is how Nash Butte has evolved. And that is what it is today. It feels like with every show, whatever the log line is or the synopsis is, is one thing, but if it exists for long enough, then it eventually becomes about multiple things or about something else entirely. Even if the premise doesn't change, it feels like it can spiritually evolve into something else. And it sounds like because of that, and and even going through like, you know, hard life (laughs) circumstances whilst doing the show, it kind of became about Maybe your own self-acceptance. What, what do you think the show has become about specifically? So like loving yourself through self-care? Uh, yes. Being, living authentically as yourself through your self-care choices. And also just that self-care is you pursuing happiness for yourself and that you deserve that care. Yeah. And I feel like that idea, it was so well crystallized in the episode where you left your apartment can you can you talk yeah. about that for a little bit like because that that's something that I had not really heard a, a podcast do before and I thought was so novel but also very like beautiful and moving so I had this really kooky idea so I lived in my apartment for seven years which if anybody lives in LA or, or any city with like a competitive rent situation Um, it was a big, it was a big deal. Um, I'd lived there for a really long time. I'd lived there within my marriage and then, you know, he moved out and I kept it. And, and I just realized one day I was going to keep it because again, it's so hard to get a rent controlled apartment in this town. But then I just started feeling like trapped and I started feeling like I was stifled. And I felt, I went and did this crazy Reiki session, which if you've never done Reiki, I had never done it and I was the most skeptical person, but I felt this vision of me as a snake and I slid out of the water and then I shed my skin and I was like a different color. And then I like slithered into the, into the desert and I was like, oh shit, I got to get out of this apartment. So before I left my apartment, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? 
I'm going to have a live show in my apartment and I'm going to invite 40 fans from all over the world um, to come be in there when I do the recording. And I didn't know if it would work. I didn't know if anybody would want to do it, but it, it worked. I mean, people, we just were laying on like rugs and pillows and it was so it was like 40 strangers from all over. And then Darcy Carden was my guest. And I had my friend Melinda, who's like a priestess, um, do like a ritual where we like lit candles and everybody like wished the apartment well wishes and cleared the energy for the next person. And then we just did a show. Um, and it was really fun. And honestly, I'm like offended that like I didn't get any press interviews because <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're getting like one Vulture. right now. Hey, Vulture, where are you at? Okay. <laughs> Pod mess. Get at me, AV yeah. Club. Yeah. Where are you at, AV Club? Hello. <laughs> you're sleeping. But no, it was really, really awesome. And it was such a fun memory to like kind of wipe that apartment away. Um, and now I will always have that to think back on. Um, and, you know, what a way to go out. The lady below me hated me already. Now she really hates me. <laughs> And it's very special that y'all are here. If you were in this room, you, directly or indirectly, you have supported me through a lot, through the fucking craziest year of my life. The beginning of this year was the most horrific, horrific thing that's ever happened to me. And now on the other side of it, being very happy and going to therapy and like becoming a better version of myself in every way. And I feel my, ele my everything's elevating in my life and it's because of all of this support. So thank you so much for being here. There might be somebody coming to pick up my desk any minute. Uh, it's hard to sell things on Craigslist. Um. What has quarantine and lockdown done to your motivation? For doing the show because I think I think you're similar to me and probably like so many people that have had a podcast for more than like six weeks where like of course you go in and out and of course there there are days where it's like who cares who needs this why bother this isn't my number one favorite thing to do right now so like especially now when it's all we can do in some ways like what what right. gets you going with that you know listen we all hate this it sucks for everyone um, but you know, 2019 was a really crazy year for me. And there were times where I phoned in Natribute a hundred percent. Like, I'll be honest. I, the, my audience knows, especially the first few months of the year, I was pre-recording and just sobbing on the floor. Like I was just, I was, I could hardly get through my life because of my personal life. So I said, 2020 is the year that I fucking take the reins and make Natribute the best it's ever been and want to grow the audience and really put in the effort. And like, I had all this shit. I sent all these emails. I have all these guests lined up. Like I was like, 2020 is the year, honey. Like, so when this all happened, it just really took the wind out of my damn sails. You know, like it feels like I had been wasting so many years of my life, uh, with my marriage and like all this shit. And I went to therapy nonstop last year and I was like, honey, this is it. So it's been rough. Um, it's been rough to say the least. But we're all in this together. And um, so that's why I've just been doing solo apps and mini apps right now. Um, I'm just sort of, I'm keeping it going. But again, I, I got, I, we got to get out of here because there's some major <laughs> plans coming. Okay, everybody listen to me. There's some plans coming. I've been working my ass off. Yeah. But I also started a Patreon, which I hadn't done. I hadn't done a Patreon, you know, um, for years and years. I even had it all set up. So it was very easy to do because it was literally written already years ago. What blocked you? 
it was an internal shitty thing where I just didn't think I deserved it or I didn't think anybody would care or like I just felt greedy. Like, so the like, same you know, thing Nash- with like podcasting initially. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, honey. I'm a piece of damn work. There's a lot to deal with over here. <laughs> and I was talking to Allie Ward and Allison Rosen. They were like, do it. And I was like, doing it during a pandemic. How rude. And they're like, mine have, has been going up right now. Like people want to support And so I finally did it. And now I'm like, I feel safe here. I feel like I can put out my crazy shit and know that the only people listening to it are the people that really want to hear it. And to me, I'd rather do that than, you know, blast it across with Rothy's ads on it. And, and, you know, so (laughs) I've already been having so much fun and it's teaching me to work even harder and to focus even more. And now my priorities are there. Like I'm putting my best work on that. My first episode of my new show, Kooky Southern Ant, I'm like obsessed with it. I'm so happy with it. I had so much fun recording it and sound editing it. And like, it's only going to be like funny, crazy shit on there. Yeah. And there's something kind of lovely about that sort of way to distribute content because for a show that is completely free and has been free for three years, this is kind of you calling the bluff on people that say that they really care about what you do and they're really supportive and, and, and grateful for what you do in such a tangible way. You're saying like, are you sure? Cause here comes the real stuff in that sense. Yeah. Y'all think I'm kooky now <laughs> strap up. I mean, I'm so excited though. And, and the response has been really good. Yeah. It's so encouraging far. so far. So, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I've got so many crazy things planned and, and it, it really reinvigorated me in terms of creativity. I feel like last year I had no creativity. Zero. Yeah. Well, Zero. you didn't have the capacity for it. It sounds like I was just surviving and, and recuperating, you know? And so it's fun to like have that coming back, especially in this, like we just were talking about this before we started recording, like we're trapped in an apartment and it, you know, there's not that much space. <laughs> no, I know. Getting a little stale here. <laughs> there is a question. And especially when it comes to podcast stuff where it's like, we can keep delivering the things that people enjoy listening. Is it possible to like thrive during a lockdown or a pandemic? Is it, right. is it possible to do well? It feels like everyone's doing not well or they're doing okay. Is there a way to do great during this? Right. Which of course, like everything that we're talking about is operating from a position of privilege and and should yes. be like recognized but but i i i want to hold out hope that there is a way to like have good and great things continue to happen in life and not just like be holding on by the tips of your fingernails yeah i w- i dream for that day it's coming i feel like i've been surviving my whole life yeah you know and so that that will be a nice day but honestly, I don't know if that ever exists in this business. Like all I, everybody I know who is quote unquote more successful than me, I feel like they're always watching their back because everybody knows that you're not on top for long. And when you are on top, enjoy it because you're going to not be on top. So I, I think that feeling of like always clawing and clawing and crawling, it, it's just part of this business. Mm-hmm. What have we done? Why don't we sell used cars in Van Nuys? I mean, this is rough. We already established that is more difficult. <laughs> yes, definitely. I, right I bet it is. I tr- it's hot. Imagine the heat. It wouldn't be good for us. Test driving Toyotas in this heat. And personally, between you and me, I think Natch Butte is an essential service. Thank you. I agree. You're doing essential work. And I like your I'm voice I'm an essential a lot. worker. 
you are and you have a great voice and my other alt for what i think about your voice is i was gonna say you have a firecracker voice which i'm sure you've heard before i love that of course i love that. that thanks I for talking that. with I mean, me today jackie thank you for having me kevin what a fun time it was so fun i think you can i think you are I think you are, I've said this to you and I've texted this to you. I think you are such a gem and I think your humor and your mind are so special. And you're one of those people that like, you, you're like an assassin with the jokes. Like you come in low key with it and it's so clever. And that's why like listening back to episodes I've done with you, like, oh my God, that was hilarious. Like you're so special and I'm honored to be here. And every time you ask me to do anything, I'm there. Oh, that's very, I really appreciate that. Thank you. I feel like so much of my of my role on what I want to do on this show is be an encourager to other people. So to have it repaid back to me is very sweet. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Jackie Johnson has a kooky Southern voice. And you can listen to that voice on Natch Butte wherever you get your podcasts. And also on her Patreon at patreon.com slash Jackie Johnson. Inside Voices is produced by me and Steve Allman. Our theme music is by Pam Autori. I'm your host, Kevin T. Porter. Thanks for spending time with us today on Inside Voices. And please, at least for now, stay inside. That was a HeadGum Podcast.